Welcome to the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. It's Matthew with you here right through to the end of the episode because that's how podcast episodes work. I mean, it'd be a bit weird if it got to the end of the episode and I just kind of hung around for another 10 minutes in your ear, wouldn't it? Um, anyway, on this episode, we have the return of Mr. Goblin Green Bases himself, Josh from the Crown of Command podcast. Josh has a movement of 4, weapon skill of 3, ballistic skill of 3, strength 3, toughness 3, wounds 1, initiative 3, attacks 1, and leadership 7. Now that we've got his stats out of the way though, let's dive into the chat itself and find out what Josh is painting at the moment. Uh, mate, I've been doing a lot of Rackham stuff, actually, for the confrontation. I don't know if you're aware of that particular, you know, long, out-of-print um, rule set man miniature range and that kind of thing out of France, but... No, no, I'm not familiar with that at all. Oh, you're not? Okay. Well, yeah, it's kind of one of these underground games that became popular, I guess. They sort of started in 96, which I was totally unaware of, and, and uh, it started... Uh, in France, um, in a very small company, like like a garage company type of thing, you know, like two guys setting it up. And I sort of just found about the history about it just recently with one of the guys in the Discord um, who's like um, an ex-employee uh, there. Really interesting sort of stuff, how it all started up. Basically, it was like an ex-Games Workshop guy. Um, he started up the company. That's Jean Bay, the guy who's behind the, the whole thing behind Rackham. And he started up and basically he released his own range of miniatures that he wanted it like to be like the the apple of the miniature world, like everything would be perfect, everything to the highest standard and that kind of thing. So, yeah, the um, it really changed the whole face of the miniature gaming like scene kind of thing in, in terms of painting, in terms of miniature design, artwork, everything. You know, the production levels like just way at, you know, above everything else. So, so what's that um, called, sorry? It's called Confrontation. Um, I'll send you some links to it, uh, but like some photographs and that kind of thing. Basically, when they released it and the idea, the marketing idea was that they would, they would like, you know, sell the miniatures in a blister pack. And in the blister pack, you would actually find the rule book. The rule book would be like those tiny little booklets. So... When you buy your miniature, you open it up, you get the miniature in the base and that kind of thing, and the card, like it's a card, like a stat card kind of thing, showing it's all all its attributes and the equipment it takes and the skills that it has and that kind of thing. And then in that blister, you have a little booklet, and one's like the rule book, and then if you buy another miniature, you might have something like incantation or divination. Um, one's got like, you know, things uh, for use for... Um, uh, doing like campaigns and that kind of thing. So that was like first and second edition of Confrontation. Then it got into third edition, came like a hardcover book. And it became much more commercially viable because people would actually buy it and, and get all the rules in one one sort of text. And that's sort of where I came into it at that sort of stage. And um, they had like a board game out for it and everything, that kind of thing. And then they brought out AT43, which is probably the most popular one. And then the company um, slowly went bankrupt just due to mismanagement and that kind of thing. But they produced some of the most beautiful, um, you know, 28 millimeter metal miniatures the world has ever seen. So, I need to get a wee look at that. Yeah. As if I need yeah, anything man, yeah. else to be looking at. Uh, anything else to be drawing <laughs> <laughs> my indeed, attention towards. You've been, uh, you've been getting much games or anything then recently? I haven't, mate, no, because, um, well, I have actually, uh, to be honest, I've, I've done some remote gaming with a friend of mine, Johannes, in, from the Flayless Skulls podcast. Um, you know you know Johannes, don't you? I have heard you know his Joe? podcast a couple of times, yeah. yeah. He's a really nice guy, and we've sort of caught up online doing remote games on a Sunday, playing A Song of Ice and Fire, which is another game system, a current game system I'm into at the moment as well. And really enjoying that as it's as it's uh, kind of like a living living rulebook type game where the rules are basically uh, a PDF you can download, and they sort of when they have a big tweak and they want to change the rules or there's something they need to change to the armies, they just update it on the app. So there's none of this kind of you know oh well there's a new edition you got to buy a new box set you got to buy all the new books and that kind of thing. There's nothing like that. Everything's basically at your fingertips. It's all free. You can just, you know, upload it onto your app application 
on your phone and you've got all the armies, all the stat cards, everything there. Um, so I've been in slowly introducing Johannes to A Song of Ice and Fire. He's really enjoying it. He's kicking my ass. He's, he's whipped my ass four times in a row now, <laughs> uh, which is quite pathetic, but <laughs> from me anyway, from my my standpoint, but uh, really enjoying that. That's set in the uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, you know, the Georgia uh, Martin kind of, you know, Game of Thrones world, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which I'm a massive fan of the TV show, but I've never read the books, but the whole game's based on the books and that kind of thing and all the characters in it. But, um, yeah, that's, you know, I got that as a Kickstarter. It's probably the best Kickstarter I've ever bought um, as it's been like a long-term investment in you know, terms of replayability and the gameplay is really good and it's evolving and it's changing. And, um, yeah, so I've been playing that, mate. But apart from that, I've not played anything. I've not played Warhammer for a long time. Uh, again, it's just a case of, you know, people uh, to play with and I think remote gaming's becoming more and more more of a viable option now. Do you, um, like, you, you're pretty... Uh, prolific with the content you're putting out like your podcast and youtube and that do you find that that gets in the way of your painting and gaming or is that um maybe the opportunity isn't there to game so you'd as well recording a podcast or something like that instead uh yeah good question i think um in terms of editing i think editing takes up a lot of my time so like i did this um painting tutorial on a high off horse recently and um you know, I've got to I've got to film that in stages uh, as I'm painting it, and then after that's all post production. You know, putting it into iMovie and then editing into every editing everything, doing the voiceovers and that kind of thing. That that kind of stuff takes a lot of time away from you know doing hobby and that kind of stuff. Um, so I try I try to keep I try to put like a video out each each week if I can, and try to get the podcast out. Now it's like in a in a in a fortnightly release not a weekly release i think it was just too much in the end and it's like other stuff going on and i think i think basically people are sort of you know getting back into the swing of things in terms of like you know going out and socializing again and you know playing games physically with people so i can i can i can sense that in the community even though we're um even though we're sort of growing and like this discord and the Facebook group are getting more and more people through, which is great to see. But I think the, the level of interact interactivity between people is becoming less and less because people are just, you know, getting out there and playing games and that kind of stuff. So I feel really happy about that. That's the most, that's the most important thing. I mean, like actually people actually playing games and seeing photographs and then playing stuff is great. That's mm-hmm. far more important than me, you know, releasing videos and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but i enjoy i enjoy doing it but yeah it does take a lot of time as you know you, you know you're a podcaster yourself mate so you know that sort of you know the post-production type time you know it takes away from family and your hobby time that kind of thing yeah i i it's um just something you've got to get through as part of it and that um i found like doing the podcast and running the blog it's integrated pretty well into what I'm doing because I quite like the fact that in the rare occasion where I've been getting a game, like we've been playing Rangers of Shadow Deep, um, so a big part of that is the preparation for the game and I could talk about that on the show and I could post photos of what I'm up to on the blog and then when we play the game, we could record some audio from the game, we could talk about what happened and then I could post photos of it. So I, I quite enjoy how that's built in. I don't feel like it's taken away from anything if that makes sense like i just feel it's a good part of it you know i'd be chatting about that stuff anyway and it's it's just nice that i suppose a couple of hundred people want to maybe listen into it um and even if it wasn't that many it's still pretty cool you know to be just uh creating something around it that sticks yep absolutely couldn't agree more i mean you're, you're doing it because you enjoy doing it i mean if we didn't enjoy doing it we wouldn't we wouldn't do it and um, I've, I've always said that, you know, if it ever felt like I was working when I'm doing it, I'll just quit. I'll be mm. you know, happy to walk away because, you know, you know, looking at it now and maybe you feel the same, like, you know, it's at a stage now where I think it's it's sort of just growing itself. Like, you know, your Discord or your, your Facebook group, your blog, whatever it might be, it will just evolve and people will take over it and take care of it. 
and that's where it needs to be um, because you know one person can't singly do everything and it, it just it's just um, too much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we're sort of out of that whole you know lockdown well we've never been in lockdown but you know in Europe and all that kind of thing was quite serious and Australia was quite serious where people sort of cocooned in their own homes and they were going out of their minds but now it's all changed and things are slowly getting back to normal thank goodness yeah I... and um you know these kind of you know you know people are prioritizing their time differently and you know they're, they're focusing on different areas which is really good um but yeah no it's been fun mate. it's been a really fun ride though like the last couple of years have been amazing like you know i was talking to um chris um in the states and you know he sent a message saying you know thanks a lot for doing all the videos and podcasts it's been really good because you know, he he had no one to play with, basically. He had all these games. He's got Warhammer, he's got Blood Bowl, he's got Man of War, he's got Space Hulk, second edition. He's got all these games, all the miniatures painted, Necromunda and everything, you name it, he's got it. But he's got no one to actually play with. But now he, he's doing the remote gaming. He's connecting with people through the Discord. And now he's got a regular sort of session, like every weekend. He's hooking up with somebody, someone from Germany or me, myself in Japan or whoever it might be, and playing games. And he's really, really happy. So, I mean, you know, if I made one person happy or a couple of people happy by doing this thing, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's um, that's rewarding in itself, I think. Mm-hmm. Aye, I like, uh, I like a sort of miniature hobby podcast if I'm doing a bit of paint and all that. Um, kind of gives you the wee kick up the bump to keep going, especially, you know, maybe stick it on if I'm, if I know I'm going to try and paint in the next 10 minutes or that, and suddenly it gets you much more in the mood. Because uh, a lot of the time with painting, it's just to getting started. And then once you're into the swing of it, um, you know, you you enjoy it. But I do find that sometimes there's just a wee barrier in actually getting started. I don't know if that's just me or if that's quite a common thing with folk. Yeah, yeah. Getting the motivation is a big thing. Um I think that sort of bounces off other people as you, you know, part of social media, you see people doing certain things. I mean, I'm hopeless. I mean, you know, someone mentions a word of a game system and I'm sort of like, you know, off <laughs> on a tangent. I've sort of just, you know, dropped something and started something else uh, because of that because you, you sort of just, you're feeding off the energy and um, enthusiasm of others. So uh, that's kind of what really drives us. In our hobby, you know, people are really getting behind something. You want to be part of that as well, and you, you know, you sort of pick up their momentum and and carry on with that. So I'm, I'm guess you're like me, Matthew, in that you've got like several projects and several different painting projects, and you know, several different games you want to you want to get on the table at some point. But um, it's good to hear that you're, you're playing regularly now with the um, with this. Um, is it Rangers of Shadow Deep you're playing? Yeah, I we've been playing through that. Um, so hopefully next month, time of recording, that'll be August. Hopefully we're playing the next one. I've still got five or six miniatures on my list that need to be painted before then. But um, I like that as well. You know, I like that achievable aim where you get the stuff done and you know that the game's coming up. You're working towards it. Um, just all part of quite a rewarding process, I find. Yeah, me too, mate. I've got, to ha- I've got to have the games lined up to get me the targets I need to get to to paint and do get get you know get stuff done. Like with the confrontation stuff, I've got stuff here that's been sitting here. Like I've been, you know, I've owned it since two thousand and six, two thousand eight, two thousand ten, that kind of thing. And they've just I've just been carrying it around and you know thinking, oh, I'll eventually get to that project. But now it's sort of like now I'm actually going to play games and it's motivated me to get stuff done. Uh, the challenges I'm involved with, like the you know the gathering of mighty painters, that's been awesome. You know, got my high off army almost to a, to a point where I can actually play a decent sized game with it. Uh, the Cowabunga challenge as well. Uh, got my, my my orc army off the ground and and I'm, I'm you know I'm using it and playing it. So yeah, all these things are contributing towards you know making these targets reachable over a certain length of time. And then you you know you're sort of enjoying the benefits of that and actually painting with uh, painted models. Um, but I'd imagine that ranges would be a bit of a nightmare for me in some ways because you've got so many different types of monsters and so many different types of um, 
characters and that kind of thing. So you've got a whole spread, like, it's like an RPG, you've got a whole spread of different things. Mm-hmm. I, I quite like that myself because um, always something different on the table. Um, mm. Although I'm, I'm definitely not averse to painting my way through a big monopose uh, unit as well. I do like that too. So, um, aye, but I just I collect whatever I can for Rangers and uh, get it on. And I, that's part of the fun for me too, you know, when I look at it, the next mission and it says these are the miniatures we would recommend and it's a, a guilt-free opportunity to go on a site and say, okay, I do need, I do need this thing rather than yeah. I'm just going to mindlessly splurge some money on stuff that I don't necessarily need. So um, next up, I've got a couple of werewolves in that I need to do. I'm working on some um, mm-hmm. like wee kids from Midlam at the moment. Uh, they're really cool. Like wee guy with a pot on his head and a wooden sword and like um, a few other wee kids who uh, I do need for a mission. So uh, kind of like a, a Goonies gang, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> in fantasy like form. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> As I was saying to you before as well, like when I'm painting, I've got uh, I've got that old white dwarf um, old world poster just like beside the table. So just like mm-hmm. to sort of have a wee look at that when I'm painting away and it throws up a lot of questions for me looking at that, like the world as it was. Um, and like I, I, always, I always wonder about like where, where would you live in the old world? You know, if you had to pick somewhere, like is there somewhere you'd prefer to put down some roots? Raise a family. <laughs> well, I might, I might have to be the only single giant living in the uh, dwarven realms of um, Kazakh, Kazakh, or whatever it's called. Oh, I don't know. I'm hopeless at these names. The unpronounceable words of the Warhammer world. That's, that's probably what I'll be ending up in. But um, yeah, it's it's a hard one actually, mate. Yeah, but I think I'll be with the dwarves. I think either in like in some kind of empire province living with men and, and dwarves together or going into deep into the misty mountains or whatever they are, the grey mountains where the dwarves live. See, I'm hopeless at this kind of stuff. It's, it's terrible questions you're asking me, mate, because I, I really don't know. And you could be terms, like a, yeah. you, you could be like an Australian Felix if you found a goat, goat trick to kick about with. Yeah, true, yeah, true, yeah. But I reckon, yeah, the dwarves, where the dwarves live, deep in the tunnels of their gigantic fortresses built in the mountains and that kind of thing. It must be the safest place in the old world, I'm thinking. A lot of beer too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of beer. Um, Maybe they play some kind of, you know, special board game. Maybe maybe they've, uh, maybe these engineers have devised these wonderful games that people play, kind of like chess, but with like, you know, different kind yeah. of races of the empire like of the old world on these sort of chessboards and that kind of stuff that'd be meta wouldn't it like you're yeah. in the miniature <laughs> war game playing a miniature war game and then somebody playing that yeah. game is like you know if you were a character in this game what would you be and it just gets like one of the infinity mirrors so <laughs> yeah they, they could have their own version of Warhammer in the yeah, world I, you just don't know I don't yeah. know that when, maybe the dwarves would be into that sort of thing yeah I I wonder what sports like. Well, everyone plays Blood Bowl, don't they? Like every race in the, mm. the Warhammer world, as far as I know. Did the Lizard Men ever have a team, or did they come too late to the. Oh, God, I hope not. They probably you don't the like bastards. them, do you? No, they're slimy little buggers. <laughs> no, I don't like them at all, mate. No. I love thinking about how games of Blood Bowl are organised in the world because, like, chaos is a like, really apocalyptic threat for the place. But then, like, if you're just a chaos team, you get invited down to Altdorf and you get to play a sporting event. Uh, presumably, your supporters come along too. So that kind of fascinates me, you know. Like, yeah, um, yeah. I how, how, like the the authorities in that that put these games together. I'd love to be in one of those meetings. You know, just the logistics of it, <laughs> organizing the stewards, the entrance money, the food at half time. Um. Aye, that that maybe make for some sort of good like card game. Uh, Blood Bowl. Actually, there is a there is a card game, isn't there? There is a card game for Blood like Bowl. a Blood Bowl card game. Yeah, uh, Fantasy Flight did it, but I don't know if it's still around anymore. But they did like um, Blood Bowl. They did uh, Warhammer Quest, which really interests me. I really wanted to see what that was like. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Fantasy Flight that did a card game of Blood Bowl. 
Do you have a Blood Bowl team? Or two? I do. Or three? I do. Yeah, what I do. You got? Um, uh, thanks to a good mate in um, in Australia, I've got an an orc team that I've painted like the Auckland Raiders. Uh, in like the original color schemes, and I've got a goblin team as well, with all the star players and that kind of thing in it. So that's the only t- they're the only two teams I've got, mate. How about yourself? Any good blood bowl team? I've got nine nine metal beastmen uh, from the the nineties uh, that I found and I painted up. So there's just nine of them. So it's obviously not enough to to fuel the team. But if I maybe get like a couple of star players or that, I don't know. Presume you need like eleven then your substitutes. I would think. Been... You need you need at least eleven plus. Well, you don't really need a substitute, but you need at least eleven guys on the pitch. Mm. So, oh well, yeah, you're like, almost there. Like nineteen ninety seven, the last time I played Blood Bowl, so the memory is hazy. But I did like it when I was wee. I did like it. Yeah, it's a great game. Yeah, we we just haven't got it to the table. Um, oh, I think about a year now. I think I think it was about twelve months, which is quite scary. The last time we played that. But I, I'm pretty sure for the for the Chaos team, all you need, they're, they're only Chaos Warriors and Beastmen anyway, so you just need two Chaos Warriors, man. Just, mm-hmm. just grab a couple of, um, you know, Monopo's Chaos Warriors, cut the weapons, like cut the axes off, and that's it. That's all you need. And you're right. Yeah. You're way, you're way you go. Aye, wee ball in their hands. I had I had, um, I had quite a bit of gear. You know, I had the box set and everything, and my mum threw them out at some point oh, really? over the years. Yeah. So it's, just oh, yeah. she would have thought it was like Monopoly or something. Probably, um, yeah. You know, just a stupid kids board game. So yeah. went in the bin. I, I like the thought that maybe somebody found that and took it home, gave it a bit of TLC, but probably not. <laughs> probably got buried in the landfill. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I, I never fear, mate. There's there's a hundred thousand of those sets around. So yeah, you, you're never never short of like finding uh, a Blood Bowl set complete. That's for sure. Yeah, I suppose you always. Um, are, are they pretty dear on the, the second hand market then? Or I, I have no idea. Uh, like I said, I've got a really good mate in Australia uh, who kindly donated the set to me, um, which is pretty amazing. Plus the the um, the death uh, death zone expansion. Uh, I just paid for the teams, and he just sent me the rules for free because he had like four. I think he had four or five sets of uh, third edition Blood Bowl because he was going to plan to run a um, a tournament-like type thing at his house uh, many, many years ago, which never really happened. So, um, yes, I was very, very fortunate in that one. But I, I would imagine that they would cost about, I don't know, $60 complete nowadays, $60 Australian, I'm talking, but it could be 60 Hi, That's bucks. not bad at all, is it? It's not bad for the for the amount of value you get out of it. I mean, you know, you're playing that a lot. Um, you know, you're playing in leagues. If you get Death Zone, it's the best thing because you get all the extra cards and the extra rules and the extra teams, of course. Um, you know, you can add wizards on your team and uh, all that kind of stuff. So it brings a whole new element to it, a much more crazy element to it. So yeah, yeah I think I think you just get like you know just years and years. Investment out of it. Did you know that just like every other podcast out there, this show has its very own Patreon? But this is no ordinary Patreon, it's actually the worst Patreon ever. That's right, there's no rewards, no extras, no bonus content, no early access, no shout outs, and no thank yous. I'll just take the money and quietly get on with making the show. Not that there's any money to take because hardly anyone's pledging to the thing. Like I say, it's the worst Patreon ever. Find it at bedroombattlefields.com slash worst Patreon ever. That's all one word, worst Patreon ever. Now, back to the show. Going back to my, my map, I was um, mentioned this to you before too, if I just uh, if I just proceed over that way. Um, I always like <laughs> to look at, I always like to look at Araby. Is it Araby or Araby? Uh, Araby, kind of I think. Araby. Yeah. So they never got as far as I know much much slash any miniatures. They might have got a Dogs of War, is that right? They did get something in Dogs of War from fifth edition, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but don't ask me what it was, mate, I don't know. But I know that they had maybe a character, Maraby. Mm-hmm. It's like the Sultan guy. I think he's got like the Sultan type looking 
garb and that kind of thing on, and he's like got a big treasure chest um, on this on this wagon. I think yeah. he's like the pay, pay master or something like that, maybe. The pain master. Maybe. He's like a paymaster and he's sort of, you know. Oh, paymaster. Uh, I thought you meant painmaster, like he had hemorrhoids no. or something. <laughs> no, no, no. He's, he's, like, he's like the Royal Bank kind of thing. He's like funding ah, the, uh, the army and that kind of stuff. I think, I don't know. I, I've, I really have no idea about Dogs of War and what all the characters are, but I, I believe that was one. But I don't think they had any units, but it could be wrong. I'm sure someone's going to write in and tell us. Listen to some of the places down that way, right, on the map. You've got um, yep. d- just a place called Desert Raiders. You've got the o- the Oasis of a Thousand and One Camels. Uh, there's a site for a battle marked there. There's a city of thieves, so literally everyone there is a thief. Amazing that they get anything done at all, just stealing each other's stuff. Um, Eye of the Panther... I don't know what that is, but it's um, just at the it's bottom. A song of the... title, is it? Eye of the yeah, the Eye of the Panther. Yeah, it's like the it's the B side. Um, <laughs> you've got a uh, Land of the Assassins. Presumably, everyone there is just dead, apart for one, apart for the best one. Yeah. Um, Eunuch Mountain. Do you think at the bottom of Eunuch Mountain there's just a pile of testicles? Yeah, I was going to say. It reminds me of Black Adam when you say eunuchs. Yeah, uh, Cobra Pass. Um, Sorcerer's Island, Land of the Dervishes, Vulture Mountain. It's a great place. I wish they'd do more there. Um, maybe we'll see some of that in the, the new game, maybe. Well, let, let me pose a question to you then when you bring up the new new game there, Matthew. How excited are you about it? What's your what's your expectations of the old world? I will, uh, I'll, I'll take a look at it. I'll take a look at it and who knows, but I've not got any big expectations about it at mm. all. It would take a lot for me to get into it, um, especially knowing the prices that they charge for stuff and the fact that you just get so many good games and stuff elsewhere as well. So it would, mm-hmm. it would, it would take a lot it would take a lot to tempt me over there. And I'm sure they don't care about that. They'll do fine out it anyway. But what about yourself? I'm, re- I'm really surprised Like you know, that they're doing it because um, I thought that it would just be so un- unsuccessful for them to do another Warhammer game. But, you know, it's obviously wrong because there's such enormous hype around it. Um, I just don't see people, you know, investing the time in painting an army mm-hmm. these days. But I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, you know, it's maybe with their, you know, the, all these new um, uh, quick shade paints or contrast paints they're releasing, you know, I've got all these, you know, whiz-wang uh, techniques and paints they can use to get your armies painted up really, really quickly. Um, maybe that's the kind of approach, but I think they're still missing the beat when they sh- they should have released it on a much smaller scale. I would have really liked to have seen it in um, uh, twenty mil or um, like like Lord of the Rings or in um, even smaller than that, like a fifteen mil like Warmaster or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I reckon if they released it as like a Warmaster type game uh, with you know and you know had a box with with a, an actual castle and all your siege equipment and all that kind of stuff. I probably would have been really into it. Mm-hmm. But if it's just going to be a rehash of like, you know, 6th, 7th and 8th edition, um, yeah, it hasn't got me really excited. But, you know, I'll see what happens. I mean, I've got, I've got A Song of Ice and Fire, which is kind of really my modern uh, rank and flank type game. It's not Warhammer at all, but it's really got some really nice mechanics and it's got, um, you know, it's just a really good game. So it would have to do. It would have to be something unbelievable for me to to even consider a new Warhammer in in place of that, because I think what they're doing with the Song of Ice and Fire is really, um, you know, be hard to beat for me anyway. You ever played Kings of War? No, I've never been interested in it, mate. To be honest, not not never been interested in any of the Mantic stuff, the models, the 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 universe. Anything, so sadly not. Aye, no, I'm not. I'm not fussed for their really miniatures or their, their um, story world or that. But I think the rule set works really well for um, the Warhammer world. Like the rule set itself for Kings of War, I really liked. Um, I think just for its simplicity. But I did hear uh, a good episode that that Nathan did on the 
to War Games Orchard where he went through the rules and he's obviously got a lot of experience playing Warhammer as well and he was saying that it is very much more um, balanced in terms of like you could play it competitively and stuff whereas Warhammer had a lot more randomness in it and that was part of what made it a lot of fun. That's, so, that's what I love about it. I mean, I... I... You know, and in another sense, like, you know, Song of Ice and Fire, it's a very competitive game, which normally will turn me off completely. But there's something about the theme about that game with this, with the, the characters and that kind of thing that pulls me into it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of very, very hesitant about playing really super competitive, really balanced games. I really like the, um, you know, I really like playing the scenarios of Warhammer, you know, playing with the characters and, and playing when the odds are really against me, kind of thing. I really love that um, so aspect to it. So, but Easter, I, mean, I can see why it would be really popular because you know all modern games now are all you know designed with a very competitive uh, tournament-based um, approach to it because that's where the market is uh, with miniature wargaming now. Uh, so it's, it kind of makes sense in that in that in that regard. But um, yeah. It's just, and, and I've got nothing against tournaments. I mean, I'd, I'd rather, I'd like to actually, you know, participate in in a few tournaments um, if I could, uh, more for like a social kind of a experience. I mean, I'll get my ass kicked every every game. I mean, that wouldn't worry me. I mean, that's that's nothing new. But yeah, for more of a you know social experience and seeing what people bring to the table and uh, their armies they're painted and that kind of thing, I find that much much or far more. Um, you know, interesting or um, satisfying than actually, you know, winning or losing. Did, did you ever play much 40k or did you prefer to use Epic and Space Marine to dive into that sandbox? Yeah, far, far, more, far more into Epic. Yeah, far more into Epic. Yeah. Um, yeah, never was a big 40k 7th uh, edition player. In fact, um, when I worked for Games Workshop, I don't know if I told you that already, but, um, you know, when I got, when I got uh, my job there, my boss, um, Richard, said, you know, do you know how to play 40K second edition? I said, yeah, 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 I know how to play that, blah, blah, which, of course, I was lying about <laughs> to get the job. So then when I did, like, a demo for somebody, for some couple of kids that came to the store, uh, you know, I played it completely wrong, and my boss, you know, dragged me out the back and said, what the hell was that? You know, you know what were you doing? You know, a lot more expletives added there, but... I'll censor it for this interview, but yeah, but basically he said, you know, you just played it completely wrong. He had to show me how to play the game and that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until when I got back from the UK to Australia, I actually started playing second edition 40K. And um, yeah, I really liked it because all the guys in my, you know, the, the, my two friends that I game with uh, were big into 40K. They did not play Warhammer. So um, yeah, but I, I still enjoy it. Like, I, I, you know, I've started playing it again. Um, you know, since last year or so, uh, with um, some orcs and that kind of thing, and yeah, really enjoying it. I mean, I still prefer Warhammer. I still prefer Epic as a scale, as a game, as a game system. Um, but yeah, Second Edition is still still a rocking game though. What about games like maybe um, Necromunda, Talisman, Warhammer Quest? Do you ever get into any of them? Uh, now, Talisman, I've still got my box when I that I bought when I was about 18. I think that's the second edition of Talisman. Uh, still love it. I mean, you know, I'll definitely break it out and play it whenever I can. I, I, used, I used to take it to, because I'm a teacher here in Japan, so I take I took it to the um, the classes. It's like, you know, pre-COVID. And I used to play, even though it's like the worst game to play within like 60 minutes, uh, you really need to play it for like two or three hours or more. But I used to bring it down for the kids to play. And um, yeah, we had, a, we had a great time. So, and I used to play with even my mum, you know, back back in Australia. And, and I just anybody can play it. I mean, my sister would play it. Um, I really love Talisman for for its simplicity, and that anybody could play. It. Anybody could just pick it up and you know just roll the dice. It's all really random. It's it's just fun. Um, so, I really love Talisman. Uh, Warhammer Quest. Now, I I did buy that when I was in in the UK in '94. Um, I did remember. I do remember playing it on uh, on the mattress of our hotel we were staying at for one very brief scenario, but I never got to actually finish it. But it wasn't until recently, when I, now that I know Chris uh, Chris uh, Snyder in um, the in the US, 
that he he actually hosted a game. He's got a you know he's got the game and all that kind of stuff. And we had a, a few other guys on the Discord channel, and we actually played it remotely. So I actually got to experience it finally after all these years, and um, really liked it. Yeah, really enjoyed it. How about yourself? Have you played um, Warhammer Quest? Because I, like, I think that's kind of a game you really enjoy playing. No, never, never got that. Um, always wanted these sort of games when I saw them in White Dwarf back in the day, but um, no, never got any of them. Um, just of that age where you know you're like thirteen and have no money, so um, I never ended up picking up any of them. My pal had Hero Quest uh, in a much earlier era, so that was our kind of dungeon crawl game back in oh, the day. Oh, isn't it brilliant? Yeah, because Qu- Quest was that like a successor to talisman is that right or was it a totally different game my, my memory's a bit hazy of the two basically they had hero quest from milton bradley then they had advanced hero quest from games workshop and basically Warhammer quest was its successor like advanced hero quest is successor basically um and um and i didn't even know until you know we started playing it that it's a cooperative game i thought it was a, like you know you had like a, a gm running all the monsters and that kind of thing and you had the players and it's all very adversarial but it's not it's like it's all cooperative you just you just, you just have a card deck and you flip the card and it'll show you what tile um you have and then you flip another card and it'll show you how many monsters are in that particular section of the t- of the tile it's amazing it's a really good game so it's all done by cards it's all generated randomly but of course you know you pick a you choose your quest first I think you've got to roll for it and you look in the book and say, okay, this is the quest we need to do, blah, 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 blah. And then you've got to set up your cards and you've got to choose the right cards, shuffle into the deck, and um, it's played that way. So then you'll eventually reach the quest room and then you, you meet the big boss and then you're going to kill him and you, know, you claim the treasure and um, you gain XP and all that kind of thing. But it's, it's a really beautiful-looking game too. The tiles are just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the miniatures are beautiful as well. So, yeah, I hope to experience that more in the future and sort of um, play it a bit more because you can actually play a Chaos Warrior, which has always intrigued me. I've always loved to play like a Chaos Warrior in like a dungeon crawl game of, of Warhammer. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. Would you be a Chaos Warrior if you were? If Absolutely. Such I a think thing so. Was <laughs> I think available to you as a troll slayer. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, think, I think either a Chaos Warrior or Troll Slayer. I think they're... Yeah, stuff magic, stuff bows and that kind of thing. I want to get in there and start swinging an axe. I'd be that monopose so. plastic guy. You know, he's got his axe <laughs> up and his fist clenched. Um, I'd yeah, the Chaos Warrior, the classic one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could never find confirmation of whether the Chaos Warrior's armor is, like, glued onto them or not because there's mixed, like, mixed reports on that, you know, with the lore. I don't know if they had to keep the armor on indefinitely. Because that'd be uh, shit going to bed at night if they go to bed. <laughs> yeah, they maybe never sleep, mate. Maybe it's yeah, maybe their armor is welded on, like you say. I don't know. You'll have to yeah. check the realms of cows books for that one, I think. Yeah, there's probably a table that you roll on to see if you get to take your armor off. Yeah, well those those old books and you know, I did have them at some point. But they were fantastic, like, you know, um, had all these charts and tables you just rolled to create everything. You create the whole war band doing that. Just all randomly generated like on D100s and stuff. Um, yeah, I love all that aspect of gaming. I think that's just one of the, you know, one of the, um, uh, it's it's not all kind of laid out in front of you kind of thing. It's like you're sort of randomly generating something that's, you're creating something in that sense. Um so I like I like that aspect of of, um, of Warhammer especially, and uh, 40k to some extent. What chaos god would you worship? Uh well, I was really big into corn uh, you know, in the early days, and I think most most people gravitated towards corn. Um, but um, I think now I'm more of a Tenzinshin guy or a Slanesh guy now, actually. Yeah, I, I think maybe it's the colour choice or something about them or they're a bit more sort of mysterious, especially the uh, Tzinchin side of things. Corn's all about, you know, skulls and, you know, worshipping the um, the blood god and all that kind of stuff and, you know, sacrifice and, you know, that kind of thing. But 
yeah, the Changer of Ways, which is inch, seems more interesting as a sort of chaos type of Patreon. And um, yeah, the, the color schemes look really interesting to me, and, and Slanesh as well as uh, purples and uh, sorry, pur yeah, pinks and blacks and that kind of thing. I think for a painting kind of approach to an army for chaos, and I'll eventually do one for fantasy. Uh, I don't think I'll ever get to do one for 40k, but for for, um, for fantasy, I want to do like a more of a you know all four of them basically have have like maybe like the beastmen of Nurgle and the Chaos Warriors of Tzinch and um, have like Disc Riders and uh, Slanesh would have like these steeds and the pink horrors for Tzinch and yeah have a, like a nice I like the idea of having all the different gods and all the different colours and aspects they bring to the army. And that's why I like Epic, because you get all that in Epic in the smaller scale, and you can do it. With, with 28 mil, it's just, it costs an absolute fortune, especially mm -hmm. nowadays. You know, it's just way too expensive to do that now. Aye, all the demons, I like They're a great bunch of lads. Like, when you look through them all, um, loads of fun. I've got the old... Uh, Third, I get this wrong every time. Is it third edition? I, I always ask this. Third edition High Elf Goblins. Is that true? That's fourth edition, mate. Fourth, <laughs> one, day I'll get, one day I'll get that right. Um, fourth edition. So yeah. uh, the, the, the books, I've got the two books that came in that yeah. still. Yeah, nice. um, and I like to look through them. And uh, the Chaos pages, so some brilliant like black and white drawings in there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it takes you through all the, the demons and stuff like that. And... Uh, Aye, really cool, really nostalgic. We wander through those books. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a lot of old Hammer-type art in there as well when they made that Aye, transition definitely. between the two. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's not even, well, I think there is some Mark Gibbons art in there, but there's not that much. There's a lot of, like, Stephen Tappan and uh, uh, old Paul Bonner and um, uh, Tony um, Ackland. A lot of that stuff's in there as well. Yeah, of course, uh, John Blanche as well. So I love that fourth edition book and those books because it has that sort of – and second edition 40K too because it's got a lot of Rogue Trader elements in there as well, a lot of Rogue Trader models and that kind of thing in those books as well. So, yeah, I like that sort of transition between the two. You maybe answered this at the very start, but do you ever, mm -hmm. um, do you ever dabble in non-GW rule sets at all? Yeah, uh, you know, Confrontation is probably – the biggest one because um, it you know it, it, it took up a decade of my life um, you know painting and collecting the models I never really played the games because there's no one who played it in you know where I where I was from in Australia so but the miniatures are so beautiful I was so engrossed in the in the uh, the books and the artwork and uh, the painting, the painting side of it, is just just off the charts. Like it was just nothing like I've ever seen before. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time just dedicating, trying to get all the the right uh, the painting styles and that kind of the, the French guys were doing because it was so different. It just revolutionised painting altogether, and it sort of changed my my way of looking at, at miniature painting uh, totally. So, yeah, yeah, I, I spent a long time doing that. Um, in terms of other games, just trying to think. Oh, Infinity, of course, yeah. I can't can't uh, forget old Infinity. I played that for again another ten years or so. Uh, don't play it again. I don't play it these days, but I, I play it for a long time. Um, apart from that, I don't think so, mate. Yeah, um, I, I, I sort of dabbled in board games, but I found that board games kind of like it sort of got out. It was sort of brought out you know, once and then it put, was put back on the shelf and no one ever played it again. So I was more much of a tabletop war gamer because it was like more of like building an army. It's like more of a hobby type based project. Uh, whereas board games are sort of like, you know, you just take it out, take all the pieces out, play the game, put it back in the box and put it away. I like having um, a big, you know, big scale project, of, you know, something I can see, you know, me working on for like a year or more. So, how about yourself, mate? Did you play many non-GW games back in the day, or I know you play Shadows, Shadow uh, Rangers of Shadow Deep now? But... Yeah, I so I I didn't I didn't know anything outside of the Games Workshop Extended World when I was younger. But um, the first game I kind of found when I 
when I got back into the hobby was a game called Open Combat, which is a small-scale miniature agnostic game. First one I really found and got really excited about. I got the book. Um, and you're building a couple of wee warbands and just going ding-dong. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of scenarios in the book that are fun. Um, and then it was um, Song of Blades and Heroes as well, which oh, yeah. is really simple, but good fun. So they, they two games I really liked, but... I was kind of looking for something that had a bit more continuity and depth, uh, so mm. I got really into the Joe McCulloch games, uh, Frostgrave, mm. Stargrave, Rangers of Shadow Deep, and I just love them now. Um, and they were a slow burn for me. Like The first time I got the Frostgrave book, I thought, I can't see me playing this, and mm. I don't know why, but um, I don't know. Maybe it looked a bit overwhelming, even though they're, they're, they're not hard games to learn. Um, and but they've got a real depth and longevity about them, so um, I'm really like just really enjoying all his stuff now. So I think for the foreseeable, that's what we'll be playing. Um, Stargrave's kind of the the sci-fi version of Frostgrave, mm. uh, and then Rangers of Shadow Deep. That's your that's your kind of solo slash co-op version of it all, but highly narrative, lots of RPG elements, and and just loads of fun. Uh, especially for somebody like me, I just like collecting the best miniatures that I see. You know, what uh, what what miniature companies do you tend to buy from these days, or is it all just secondhand market stuff you're dabbling in? Uh, pretty much, mate. Yeah, it's all pretty much secondhand stuff. Um, yeah, um, I'm sort of back in the rack in now, big way in a week in a big way. So I really want to collect a lot of my stuff because I sold all the stuff. I like I have, I had tons of stuff uh, back in Australia, just boxes and blisters boxes full of stuff and I sold it all before I moved over to Japan which is which in some respects I regret a lot because of course you know it's hard to get nowadays but it's one of the joys of um, you know recollecting things it's kind of another hobby <laughs> it's kind mm-hmm. of finding good deals on uh, on the net or uh, through friends or things like that and you know sort of piecing together um uh, your your old armies that you loved. I'm sort of, you know, I think maybe you're the same too. Like, you know, you, you sort of think, okay, which things would make me the most happy in having back and which which things, you know, I don't really necessarily need or want or love anymore. So I've sort of narrowed down, you know, maybe two or three factions, uh, especially with Warhammer 2. I think I've come to the point where I've, I've said that's enough. I can't, I can't physically store any more stuff. Um, I can't display any more stuff my, my cabinets at max capacity now um so i mean if i had more armies I'd, I'd, have, I'd have this dilemma of where to put it they'll be put in boxes or put into storage cases which i don't really like doing i like to display everything that i've got um so that's good i mean it's it's it's, it's forming that boundary to say okay well you've got enough stuff um you've got all the armies you really want to play with and it brings you the most joy and fun in, uh, in collecting and painting and playing. And now it's just a process of, you know, picking up the odds and ends that I need to complete a, f- a few of my collections and, and paint them up and, um, and then enjoy playing them for, uh, for the rest of my years, mate. So I'm sure, I'm sure you're the same, mate, in that regard. You know, you sort of narrowing down things you, that really bring you the most enjoyment. Yeah, I mean, life's too short to be ploughing your way through stuff you don't really want to be painting um mm, yeah. so i i'm totally with that yeah i only want to be painting stuff that i'm um getting enjoyment from and then i know that i'm going to get use from from a gaming point of view as well mm-hmm. so um it's always great to chat josh as we kind of approach the end of our conversation what what's mm. next for you in terms of like the podcast or have you got any games lined up or anything like that any cool interviews lined up uh we're kind of well for gaming wise we're going to have um because my whole our holidays are coming up like the summer holidays coming up here in uh so like the second week of uh august so yeah, me and Paul have already been talking about what we're going to do. I think we've got a, a 40k second edition 40k game sort of lined up because he's got his Dark Angels painted up now. So we're going to have Dark Angels versus Chaos, I think, for that one. Uh, we're going to play some confrontation games because we, we it's been a year since we've done that. Really looking forward to doing that. But I'd really like to play some Warhammer if I can with the High Elves because I'll have a 
I'll have some cavalry painted up and, and enough stuff to do at least 2,000 points or 1,500 points easy. Um, and he's got a wood elf army now, so we should really get that back on the table soon. I'd like to play some Man of War again because I really love playing Man of War. Mate, there's so many other things. You know, there's so many projects, so many games I want to play, which is wonderful. So I can't I can't wait to do that. In terms of the podcast, it's kind of um, very spontaneous. Like if something comes up or somebody, I notice somebody that I want to interview, I'll contact them and get them on the show. So, yeah, that's going to happen every couple of weeks or more. Uh, I don't want to reveal any big names at all because I don't have anybody uh, secured as yet uh, to come onto the show, unfortunately. But we'll have lots of lots of great guys in the community or people talking about game systems or whatever in the future. So, yeah, I look forward to doing that, mate, and I've been really enjoying listening to your podcast in the meantime. So, Matthew, I hope that continues uh, long to the future, mate. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, um, as long as I don't die or that, um, which will, <laughs> w- will happen at some point, I suppose, um, probably yeah. so- sooner rather than well, later, being Scottish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not too soon, thank you. You're too young. Yeah. You've got, you got a young daughter downstairs crying for you. Aye, and I've not um, earned enough to leave her a sufficient will yet, so, unless it's just a load of miniatures, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. she probably just think they're cheap toys. There we go then, big thanks to Josh, lovely guy, great podcast, and I'm sure it won't be the last time that we get together on the old microphone to say words at each other. And yeah, I I just can't stop thinking about that, like, Blood Bowl logistics thing, you know, the fixtures committee, just the fact that you might have some sort of office with, like, you know, a chaos lord and a a necromancer, Um, you know, you might have an orc in there as well, and they're just... um, you know, sitting down with a bit of paper, trying to work out who's going to play who, what uh, cities or towns are going to host the home games, how the away fans are going to be accommodated, even like the travel to games, like is there some sort of amnesty? Uh, you know, a bunch of dark elves, they're uh, heading through Bretonia, and uh, obviously that causes a bit of concern. Maybe they get confronted by the local army or militia or something like that, and they're like, look, we're, we're athletes, we're not political, we're on our way to Sylvania, we're just going to play a game of Blood Bowl, and then we'll be on our way. Isn't administration fascinating? Um, in any case, we've arrived at the end of the episode, and as promised, I won't stay with you any longer than the duration of said episode. So just a quick shout out to our Discord channel, which continues to grow, um, and I love the conversations and the photos and stuff like that in there. It's just been really good to, to sort of keep in touch with folks, find out what folks are painting, uh, playing, and, and things like that as well. So you could find that at bedroombattlefields.com forward slash discord. Alright then, thank you very much for listening. I do appreciate your time and we'll chat again on the next one. Bye.